Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we study an often forgotten installment in a franchise and see how it holds up all on its own. I'm one of your hosts, Corey. And my things are sound effects. Here's a T-Rex. <laughs> how long were you waiting for that? I actually just thought about it as you started the recording. We and I had I didn't have time to think that it was a bad idea. No, it was a it was a perfect idea. So um for anybody who's curious, A, we've been talking for about 25 minutes and he gave no suggestion that he was going to do any sort of funny bit, which I think is very good. And um, for anybody who's not Canadian, I guess you might not know what he's referencing. Um, but there was this weird like public service announcement style ad. I forget what it was even for. Do you remember what it was for? I don't remember the company, but I know the message. Okay, give us the message. The message is that nobody is good at everything, but everybody is good at something. Yeah, so there's a so kid. So find your thing. There's a kid tap dancing in a laundromat, I think. Um, there's a magician, and the best part is that he's like using his sister as um as an assistant, and uh, it's like, Mom, Jamie cut me in half again, <laughs> which is yeah. very funny. And um, yeah, and then we got a guy who, uh, as Liam very beautifully i think showed us does dinosaur sounds <laughs> yeah well you, you gotta remember that all these quotes are just seared into both of our brains really the stuff aired on cable like yeah five six times a day there's 30 second spots so there's well, not a this. whole lot to remember you, just, really, uh, they you get this you get don't put it in your mouth classic yeah yeah and you get canadian house hippo classic absolutely classic and the funniest I, thing about canadian house hippos is um so that was like the television council in the whole message of the ad is don't believe everything you see on tv every single fucking kid i knew myself included were convinced that house hippos were real by that ad well yeah the cg was damn good it rivaled jurassic park 3 at least it had to and um at the end there is this like narrator lady who says like that seemed really real didn't it but you can't believe everything you see on tv but I think every kid just checked out by that point and we're like, wow, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Small hippos inside of my house and they love peanut butter on toast. Yeah. Have there was another one. There was another one that played on YTV where it was a uh, an animated television talking about yes. how uh, there's so much to watch on TV, but there's also so much to do outside and he can't do any of it because he's just a TV and he wishes he could play outside. And so I, I recognize now that it was telling you that there's more of the world than just TV and, and all the cool shit on TV uh, can sort of the same itch can be scratched outside. But to me, I was just like, holy shit, a talking TV. I need to watch more TV to see more of this. This is awesome. I got to tune into the next episode of Uh-Oh to see if that talking TV shows up. Yeah, yeah. I got to check out another episode of Being Ian. <laughs> um, okay, so I got one more ad that comes to mind when I think about this, like, um, but something that I always remember that people don't always remember, I think it was because it was slightly before our time, but um, still played on TV when we would have been yeah. watching it like early 2000s. Is um, it the drug addict one? No, um, it's okay. it's for war amps. Um, war and, amps. Yeah, it's um, it's supporting like amputees from. Uh, oh, from the, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and, it's, and they're like and it's that lawnmower. And uh, yeah, no, he's not like got his legs cut off and shit. Not that one, but yes, you're on the right track. But there was one that was this weird dystopian, like cyberpunk, steam-filled nightmare city, and there's uh. like this CG kid doing like parkour through it, and just gets limbs cut off as he's trying oh, to do all this shit. dangerous shit, and explains like, "Yo, things are dangerous, like." It's really weird. It's really dark. Um, and again, I don't live in a steam, steamy cyberpunk fog dystopia hellscape. I can't do parkour. I'm six years old. I don't know what this is trying to tell me. <laughs> yeah, dude. And uh, Canadian TV in the early 2000s and the late 90s, it really was a wild west. I don't think there was a whole lot of regulations. So there were some really dark dark commercials and programs you know are you afraid of the dark and like 
freaky stories that stuff came from canada and then the commercials where it was just it came and went so quick it could be even more edgy because it wasn't on screen for that long so the aforementioned drug addict one was like these claymation kids walking through a dark back alley and they run into this dude with sunglasses on and a leather jacket and he says yo you guys want to get high and they say "Uh, i don't know man and he says well the first hit's free and then after that you got to pay and he opens up his palms and his hands are just like stuck with five or ten syringes just yeah. like hanging out of his fingers and then they say ah man this guy ain't worth the time and they bob away and then the dude takes off his sunglasses and for half a second you see like his rotting decaying eyeballs that are just like lines on his skin and they're sunken into his brain that one was heavy and then there was a couple more that came out i think like in the mid 2000s that were live action and they were all about accidents in the workplace and so there would be someone in a kitchen for example talking about uh how she's getting married soon and uh and uh, she has an engagement ring and her her husband her future husband is telling her to be careful at work but you know she's not worried nothing can go wrong and then she slips on a spill of grease and she falls on the ground and pours boiling water all over her face and then you get like a one second oh, yeah. shot of her just screaming and her face is all scalded and disgusting and like it it honestly is like scarier than a lot of the horror movies we've talked in this podcast it's uh it was heavy stuff back then like i watch commercials recreationally um yes so i'm very i feel like i'm very intimately familiar with an era of not just advertising but of like a television experience that i never actually had so i have a weird pseudo nostalgia for these because they Mm -hmm. they have that same feeling about them but i saw them for the first time when i was like 18 19 years old and they're from the early 80s so i could talk about those all day but um instead of doing that you had a really good segue earlier that we just kind of glossed over because we got too excited um this week we are watching jurassic park 3 um which is a movie from 2001 which hits this television sweet spot that we're talking about right now maybe we yeah, saw it, it on there one time maybe we it was animated it was animated by the same people who did the house hippo dude honestly wouldn't be surprised I, I still want to know how they did the house hippo thing i really do and that story is probably out there i could google that i bet um but jurassic park 3 is directed by joe johnston and written by peter buckman and then alexander payne and jim taylor took another pass at it Obviously, a sequel to oh. Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park 2, a.k.a. The Lost World. And it stars Sam Neill, William H. Macy, Teo Leone, Alessandro Nivola, Trevor Morgan, Michael Jeter, John Deal, Bruce A. Young, and last but not least, Laura Dern. Um, obviously, like we said, sequel to Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is a movie that everybody already knows about, and I'm not going to sit here and tell you what Jurassic Park is. You got incredible effects, especially for 93. You got that classic adventure movie kind of vibe. You've got a weirdly dark atmosphere, but it's cool. Um, You get to watch dinosaurs eat people. It's got that Spielberg magic in there. Um, What's your relationship like with Jurassic Park? When did you first see it? Are you a big fan? Like... Oh, yeah, I'm a big fan. Um, I came to Jurassic Park late. I think what you were saying about being pseudo-nostalgic for 80s commercials very much applied to this movie. I saw the original Jurassic Park about three, two, three years ago, and before that, I really wasn't familiar with any of it. You know, I knew the logo, but I don't think I actually knew any scenes from it i knew that like a cup of water shook at one point (laughs) and that newman from seinfeld was in it didn't know he was a bad guy i I really knew very little um a lot of spielberg movies i i didn't catch growing up because you know like if i didn't happen to see them on tv and if i didn't happen to have them on vhs tape uh i didn't watch them and this is just uh one of the few that i one of the many that i didn't have on vhs tape so i never checked it out and um as like life goes on, it's just I'm busy watching other movies that particularly interest me. Um, and Jurassic Park and all these huge movies that everyone's always talking about, I kind of let fall by the wayside because everyone's talking about them already. So I'm kind of more concerned with um, 
finding stuff that will shape my particular tastes, you know, like in, in my teenage years. And so it was two or three years ago when I decided to check out a few of these Spielberg films and a few of these classic films that I that I missed out on. Um, and so I watched Jurassic Park and E.T. really, really nice. close together. And I, I loved them both. Um, I certainly feel pseudo nostalgic for both of them. Same goes for Back to the Future. They're just mm -hmm. they're these movies that that really do have a magic to them. And as I'm watching them, I can I can like feel that there's 20 years of history behind them at this point that like kids have watched this over and over on their VHS tapes um, over like you know the last two decades and that so many people who are adults now like call these their favorite movies and they can remember all the scenes so closely and I could feel as I was watching the movie that like that it would have been that for me had I seen it earlier because it's affecting me so strongly now as an adult so I can only imagine checking it out as a kid and so I really really loved the original Jurassic Park um but I didn't I didn't love it in the way that made me check out the sequels you know because you don't hear as much about the sequels um the sequels may as well not exist honestly <laughs> like, right 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 it, it really is like they made another one you know yeah. it's we don't really think about it because people talk about the original so much so when I'm on this scratching off classics list I check out Jurassic Park and I love it but then I'm not checking out the sequels because those don't appeal to my particular sensibilities. You know, if, if dinosaurs and all that stuff did, then I would have watched them in my teenage years. But I'm not particularly into dinosaurs or adventure movies. Um, so I didn't check out the sequels after, but I've seen the original Jurassic Park two or three times at this point, And I really, I really love it. And this film, Jurassic Park 3, was in fact the third Jurassic Park movie I've seen, but it wasn't the third of the original trilogy. I've seen the original Jurassic Park and I took my nine-year-old nephew to see Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom a summer or two ago when it came out. So I'm familiar with that one. And then uh, Directed I have thoughts on... Directed by a friend of the podcast, Colin Trevorrow. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, Book of Henry, everybody, is a They Made Another One movie that isn't a sequel or a remake, but it is like... It makes you it makes you ask all the same questions that these sequels and we reboots may well do, do it us. some way just because yeah it's like they made a one they, they made, made this, this? <laughs> they made yeah uh and so i've seen jurassic world fallen kingdom i have thoughts on that one it's a it's a crazy wild dumb <clears throat> insane movie um <laughs> and so I, I was excited to see where this one falls you know if it uh is more in line with the former or the latter uh and I think I got my answer. What about you, Corey? What's your experience with Jurassic World and uh, Park? Well, I, I don't know anything about Jurassic World. I haven't seen those. Like, I've seen trailers and stuff, but that's just kind of a non-starter for me. I've also seen a lot of those, like, especially Spielberg classics kind of late. I like telling people about the fact that um, I saw E.T. for the first time when I was 20 because I was writing a paper about Stranger Things and figured I should know what they were biting <laughs> Because the influence is so on its sleeve that I was like, I should watch E.T. So I can write about it better. And uh, E.T. is a fucking great movie. Don't know what took me so long. Um, That's probably how a lot of kids are going to come to these movies now, you know? Yeah. That they're being referenced so much by Stranger Things and uh, you're all these other weird... movies that take 80s influence. Yeah, you're getting a weird, again, like, pseudo-nostalgia. Because you're like, this feels deeply familiar, not because you grew up with it, but because you've seen it in so many other places now that the feeling is there without the attachment directly being there. And like I said, I wrote papers about it so I could drone on all day if I really wanted to. And I'm not going to do that because that's not why anybody signed up for this podcast. But, um, I also have a really fun story about my first time seeing Jurassic park. Um, so I went to Catholic schools growing up, um, including high school and, that meant that as part of the curriculum, you had like a mandatory religion class you had to take. Um, and sometimes it was just like Catholicism or Christianity and other times there would be like a world religions class or something like that. So in grade 10 or grade 11, so I'm 15 or 16, I don't remember what year it was. Um, I was in that religion class and I'll never remember. I can't remember why this came about and it makes me deeply upset, but I guess it might have been near the end of the year and we were having a bit of like a throwaway day and um, the teacher, 
she was like okay like what do you guys want to do um so the first time i saw jurassic park was in a high school religion class because everybody decided to watch jurassic park i don't even know why that was an option or why she had it with her or why we would watch it in a religion class but <laughs> I don't know, that's that's honestly a good school movie man i'm kind of yeah. surprised no teacher ever popped that one on but um but in a religion class yeah but like you know watching movies there's like two types of watching movies in school there's like the one where it's like tangentially related to the class you might have to like have a discussion or write a paper on it and then and then there's an another watching romeo and juliet and then there's watching uh flubber yeah and like the latter honestly i think happens more than the former i watched freaky friday so many times in (laughs) french class and we didn't even watch it in french so i don't know what we We did finding nemo with french subtitles in english in a french class dude we need to we need to start a uh a side school core podcast where we just talk about movies that are typically shown in school so i wonder what's shown nowadays i i bet ratatouille gets shown all the time a lot lot of pixar stuff yeah but um yeah, so like we wheeled in a TV, put it at the back of the room, everybody flipped their chairs around, we drew the blinds, ate snacks, and watched fucking Jurassic Park. Uh, the whole thing? Yeah. It's like a two-hour movie. Um, maybe we split it up between classes, but in my memory, it's one sitting. Um, That's a long class, man. Uh, our classes were like... I don't... Not, well, now I'm questioning how long our classes were. I don't know. I don't know if that was unusual or not, but... um. That's also the only time I've ever seen Jurassic Park. Oh, hey, Um, look at that. So I have seen it, but in this weird set of circumstances. And like you were saying, I also got a lot of it just um, tangentially, like knowing the logo, knowing a lot of the big moments, like when they're in the truck and um, the T-Rex is coming and she has like jello on a spoon. The kid has like jello and it's wobbling on the spoon. (laughs) That's like right before I think the shot of the glass of water. Uh, okay yeah I, I didn't remember that but that is awesome I yeah love that. that yeah that movie's really it's got a lot of really clever stuff in it and it's got that classic like fucking spielberg just dripping all over it but um ew dude <laughs> well i mean dinosaurs are gross they're slobbery and weird and biting stuff it's a, Fair enough. it's a gross movie but um people get bit in half out of bathrooms yeah dude newman movie. gets newman sprayed gets on sprayed on r.i.p newman and um <laughs> Yeah, so I don't have a huge attachment to Jurassic Park, but um, I've got some familiarity with it. And going into this one, uh, I was looking up the movie before we watched it because I was curious who directed it. Are you familiar with the name Joe Johnston at all? Yes, yeah. Uh, he did the first Iron Man. and He's uh, done a lot. Um, he has done a lot. It's a name that comes up a bunch. Did he do any Air Bud? Was he Air Bud? Uh, not according to IMDb, but he also directed Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, the oh, live-action right. sections right. of The Page Master, Jumanji, October Jumanji, Sky, yeah. and yep. an upcoming Narnia thing on top of Captain America. Speaking of, October Captain Sky... Captain America, that's right. October Sky is a movie I saw in high school. <laughs> what is that one? October is that Sky, like with... Uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's in it. Is that Tom Cruise? No. Maybe that's like Vanilla Sky or something. That is. I think there's another yeah. Sky out there. October here. Sky is like Jake Gyllenhaal um, builds rockets, like model rockets, and his dad doesn't like that he's into science or something. It's something like that. I remember it really vividly, but not very well. Um, but it's like a really <laughs> kind of classic family movie situation. Um, huh. Is he I, like a little boy in it? He's like 13. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I didn't know he was doing stuff that young. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah, it came out in 1999. But um, I didn't realize how prolific um, Joe Johnston was. He also has various visual effects credits on the original Star Wars trilogy and Raiders of the Lost Ark. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, it may, it makes sense that a dude who's done all that stuff would, like, be homies with Spielberg. Yeah, because that's how he got like, the yo. job. Because Spielberg, I mean, Johnston was like, yo, Stevie. I want to direct the next Jurassic Park. And he was like, well, what if I want to direct the next Jurassic Park? Will you yeah, do the third I'm, al- I'm already dripping all over the Lost World. <laughs> Dude, I'm just, I'm just covered in the Lost World. But <laughs> if you can hold on a little bit. Um, and then, yeah, after a script that got beat to hell and had like three different passes taken at it and they were shooting the movie without a finished script, apparently. So I don't know how well this was planned out, but eventually we did get a Jurassic Park 3 finished 
in in front of us in 2001. And uh, Liam, what did you think about it? I know you watched it real recently, so it's going to be fresh in your dome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I cozed up in bed this morning. I didn't even get out before putting on the movie. I just grabbed my laptop and hooked everything up while I was in bed and uh, turned it on. It was very nice. I pulled up the blankets up to my neck. And uh, you know what? This is, this is like about... This is about the kind of movie that I would like typically watch in those circumstances. When I was a kid in high school, I would always put something on in bed before I fell asleep. You know, I had a DVD player hooked up to a small little TV and I would put on like episodes of Boy Meets World or uh, I would put on um, Writer Strong come on our podcast. Oh please! Uh, (laughs) Or I would. We need to. We need to shoot him the Cabin Fever episode and. Um, and I would put on like old TV movies that I had on DVD and stuff. And I I wouldn't often like watch, you know, really heavy movies that I was dying to check out. You know, I would, I would just put on something that's, that's just nice to nice to lounge around to for an hour and a half and watch. And like, this was kind of that, you know, it gave my morning like a bit of a, a bit of a nice, um, a nice kickstart. And I had an, I had an okay time watching it. Um, I like the CG or the animatronics or whatever. I think maybe I'm just forgetting the original Jurassic Park, but I think these dinosaurs like look as good as they do in that uh, first one. That's funny. I, I literally wrote down this looks worse than Jurassic Park. <laughs> <laughs> and I wasn't I wasn't anticipating that at all. And and I looked up some stuff after watching the movie and your view like is the common consensus that the the dinosaurs look far worse and I I certainly figured that would be the case, you know. I thought it would be like TMNT3 compared to TMNT <laughs> one, which is a stark difference. And and certainly the way the dinosaurs are like staged and executed, it's it's not as breathtaking as it is in that first movie. And no. I think that's a lot of the problem with the Jurassic Park franchise is that the first movie really feels like all I need, you know? Yeah. It's like you can it's only man's... do that majesty shot of the big field with all the dinosaurs for the first time. You can do that once and they've done it in every movie. Right, right, right. And it's like and we so, get it. Yeah. <laughs> so I wasn't I wasn't as smitten with this movie um and I wasn't as uh as swept away by it by any means, but um especially compared to Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, you know, on the laptop that I was watching this movie on, I thought these dinosaurs looked better than the dinosaurs we got in the theater 2 years ago, oh, you wow. know. Yeah, that's thought, a huge indictment of Jurassic World. Yeah, I I don't know like if this was primarily CG or if it was the combo of CG and animatronics or what, but I thought it looked like they were really there. There was like there was one shot of a dinosaur close up where he's kind of blinking into the camera yeah. that it felt a bit uh you know, I could I could see the seams a bit, which is totally expected, but really I was impressed by the dinosaurs, so that was cool and like beyond that like i thought most of the characters were like were pleasant to watch i sam neill is pretty cool uh i like william h macy sam neill is basically like grumpy indiana jones in this movie yeah yeah and like i'm not doing that and that's fine yeah that is fine like i'm not i'm not super into him i'm not a diehard sam neill guy or anything and i'm certainly not into Jurassic Park enough to be super excited that Sam Neill is returning. Doctor you know? Alan Grant is here again. Yeah, wow. ditto for ditto for the new Jurassic World. You know, I think they've announced that all three of the main people are coming back. You know, Goldblum and Dern and Neil and oh. like that. That doesn't really excite me particularly, especially seeing that uh, they already did it in this third one. I yeah. knew that Sam Neill had come back once, but I didn't realize he was like really going to be in this movie you know i thought he was going to do what laura dern ended up doing yeah you know? laura dern was like yeah i'll come on set for a day yeah <laughs> like, and i thought that's what this was going to be and it wasn't and like that was kind of cool but at the same time uh i think it really could have been anyone in that role yeah. um well any, anyone who can like pause and and make their <laughs> eyes kind of shift as the camera zooms in and then say something I think Anyone Sam who can do that definitely has something about him, though, that makes him better at that than other people. Like, I think he's well suited for it. Um, the idea of injecting them into a new Jurassic World movie, though, that feels like some fucking cynical bullshit. That feels like, yo, last one didn't go so hot. We need to get people in seats. What if we just brought everybody back? Like, that kind of sucks. But um, 
things that don't kind of suck uh is this movie i thought it was pretty all right um i'm gonna do something that i typically hate which is i'm going to describe this movie as feeling like a theme park ride um and i mean that in the nicest way possible i hate when people describe one type of art as feeling like a different type of art um like i hmm. i hate when people are like this movie feels like a video game or like this video game feels like a movie and it's like no those are distinct mediums and forms with different rules and ways that they work and just treat them as such um it can maybe be reminiscent of it but i always feel like it's really reductive to just be like wow this movie is so immersive it feels like you're playing a game and it's like well no it probably doesn't because that's not what movies do like or wow this movie's just got a lot of cutscenes in it this is like a movie and it's like most movies don't have interactive bits in the middle like they're different things um however i'm making an exception to my rule for this movie because wow it really 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 feels like a theme park ride um it feels like you could take this exact structure and the exact action set pieces that exist here um transplant them into a universal studios ride that an audience would move through in like a boat and it would not feel any different um and i think that's fine because you know it's pretty exciting it's well shot well edited joe johnston clearly knows how to do um a bit of a darker edged family movie with like adventure stuff clearly he's already cut his teeth doing that he knows what he's doing um it's well executed looks good i'm not surprised people forgot about it it didn't leave a huge impression, but I enjoyed watching it fine. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. That's uh, I think we feel very similarly. You know, this is the kind of movie that like I would put on, I would watch it before bed, I would close my eyes at the end of it very pleasantly, and then I would wake up and like carry on my day. You know, like yeah. I wouldn't read about the movie the next day, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't like tell people I watched it because I I wouldn't really think to do it. But like, I would see it, and it would be all right. And so, uh, I'm curious to know what we're gonna do the rest of this podcast, Corey. Well. I mean, I think that I want to talk about those action sequences a bit and sort of break them down into why they work and why I think it's so theme parky. But also, we can just set up that. So yeah, we have Alan Grant back, and um, he's looking for a grant, and by which I mean, boy needs some money for his research. And um, the weirdest thing about this entire script, because generally this doesn't feel like a script that went through a bunch of different people and wasn't finished while shooting, so that's kind of impressive, but... I refuse to believe that dinosaurs were made real and Alan Grant has discovered that velociraptors were secretly communicative geniuses who would have destroyed primates and been the most powerful species on the planet and nobody wants to fund his research and everybody just wants to ask him about Jurassic Park. What? What? Like, how would nobody want... Dinosaurs are literally real again so we have living yeah. specimens now and you can look at what the antecedents of actual reality were and nobody wants to fucking pay him to do that are you kidding me yeah this is kind of a, actually a, a common thread in the three jurassic park movies that i've seen that like society at large just doesn't realize how like giant the discovery of dinosaurs is and the fact that we need to uh we need to investigate this further. Um, there's a really uh, oft-memed scene in <laughs> Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom where these rich people are auctioning off dinosaurs that they have taken away from the island. What? And, and they're auctioning them off to a giant room of people in suits, and they're going like, Velociraptor, $2 million. That's it? You know what For I mean? Velociraptor? And like that's it. And they're selling them. It's like it's like, do you want uh Tyrannosaurus Rex in your living room or do you want like a one bedroom apartment in New York? The choice is yours. Oh my god. It's, it's that's absolutely really ridiculous. Um well, this movie also has an injection of the Uber Rich a little bit. Um because Alan Grant and his research assistant student Billy um, are approached by the Kirbys, who are played by William H. Macy and uh, Teo Leone, who um, need to go to um, Isla Sorna because, as we see at the beginning of the movie, their son was there with Amanda, who is Teo Leone's boyfriend, and they were, like, parasailing near an island 
that has dinosaurs on it just to be clear and um the boat wrecked and um they got lost there and they want to go find them and they think that because alan grant has been around dinosaurs before and they think he's been on the island they can sort of swindle him into it by writing him a blank check uh for research um as we find out later uh they've been swindled because uh paul kirby and they actually run like a bathroom renovation place and are not rich and that check will not clear and they just want to get their son back whose name is eric and now we have but classic i mean like honestly so now you have this really sort of typical um adventure movie setup where you've got two groups of people at odds with different mindsets different goals who now need to come together in a dangerous environment learn how to work together um about halfway through the movie you get a point where the party is split alan grant finds the kid they reconvene um they're able to understand each other better they're on the same page they've accomplished a goal and now they need to escape together they go through trials and tribulations trying to avoid dinosaurs and all these climactic things like a boat in a river that's on fire covered in gasoline um a dinosaur that has a ringtone because it ate a satellite phone um a bunch of absolute brain genius velociraptors and um they just sort of there's a couple of like character building or family moments amongst um Paul, Amanda, and Eric once they're reconvened where you sort of get a bit of character where he's like, "Man, I miss fishing. Maybe we could get outdoors more and like hang out." Um and Billy and uh Alan Grant sort of bicker a bit um because he stole some eggs to try to fund research and now that's why the velociraptors are on them, but ultimately it's like the group gets together and um because dinosaurs are dangerous, a couple people get picked off along the way. And then somehow Billy doesn't, even though we watch him turn into a pile of red mist inside of a river getting pecked to death by pterodactyls. So I don't know how he did that. But um, yeah, then they just got to escape. It's got a very sort of classic setup. Um, this movie's also very short. It's 85 minutes before the credits start rolling. Um, and it really fucking keeps moving. Yeah, yeah, and I noticed that the the films prior to this, which are all on Amazon Prime, um, uh, sponsored, we're not no, actually sponsored. We're not sponsored. I don't um, know, do we even want Amazon's money? I feel like Amazon's got some weird practices. I mean, yeah, no, I, I don't want it. I, I already feel dirty enough paying for their subscription service, so it's fine. <laughs> um, the other two Jurassic Park movies are like two hours plus, you know? Mm. So it's it's kind of refreshing that this time around they were just like, fuck it you know we'll just have some dinosaurs eat some people and yeah they'll try they'll get off the, shit? <laughs> the island of the dinosaurs and then and then it'll be cool you know because i think the jurassic world movies are also long as shit um i don't know what the lost world is about but every yeah. blockbuster now is like do you guys want to sit in here for three fucking hours yeah and it's just like every new movie like tries <laughs> not every new movie but like like blockbuster movies nowadays that come out in the summer like this movie did they like all want to be like epic and huge and important and, and, and big not. and long and important and so it, it gets it in people's head i think that every movie you see in a theater like needs to blow you away and if it doesn't then it's like a waste of a movie and or it's blow no you good. away on very specific terms because i've seen all kind of movies that have blown me away that are small and quiet and patient but I'm still blown yeah. away. It's just a different kind of thing. But every movie seems to think it needs to be like a screaming, bombastic, like giant scope freakout experience. And it doesn't. We don't need that all the time. And yeah, this yeah. is a really great example of what you can do with maybe not restraint, but at least like some barriers. Like it knew it wasn't going to be a big three hour experience and it's not. And I feel as satisfied as if I had seen if not more satisfied than if I had seen some kind of giant three-hour Jurassic Park experience. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of nice that you see a dinosaur kill someone, what, like 15 minutes into this movie or something? It happens yeah, pretty quick, yeah. and then at the half-hour mark, you got these dinosaurs, like, fighting each other. Yeah. It was awesome. In a very, in a very like, King Kong-style fight. Um, yeah, yeah, and again, dude, I thought those dinosaurs looked great. Like, that oh, actually looked like dinosaurs point, were fighting to me. I think it's a mix of CG and animatronics. I think some of the raptor stuff is, like, a physical raptor. Um, 
but I think a lot of the wider shots and a lot of the bigger monsters, I think, are CG in some cases. There's There are definitely scenes where you can tell, some more obvious than others, like when they finally do the big majestic shot with the Jurassic Park theme song, which happens like 10 minutes before the movie's over, uh, which was a weird place to put that because we'd been seeing dinosaurs all movie and also this is the third movie. So I'm not as wowed as I once was, but that's definitely a CG shot. But I think like when they're giving the eggs back and stuff, I would swear that it's a it's a group of physical raptors. I oh think. yeah, yeah. Like I would swear like, like those are real dinosaurs yeah. moving. And um, you know, it's like I said, so it's got all the beats and it's got a lot of the familiar stuff that like an adventure movie has. It also doesn't have a lot of the cruft that an adventure movie has. Like they didn't try to give Alan Ooh, Grant. What does cruft mean? I'm hoping I use it right. Now that you're asking me, I don't really know. No, <laughs> keep going. I'm um, just I'm, I'm thinking out loud. Let's have, hear it. Uh badly designed, unnecessarily complicated or unwanted code or software. I'll allow it. It's more or less what I mean. Um, it has a lot of un- a lot of movies will be like Alan Grant needs a love interest. No, he doesn't. We're good. Yeah. He's got Billy. They have a relationship. They're working things out. They're their version. They're one team, and then the other group's the other team. They got to come together. We're fine. Um, I'm kind of grateful they didn't give us like 20 minutes of the kid being like a survival genius, because. They illustrate a lot of that by the fact that he's made it two months in a jungle full of dinosaurs. We don't need to see it. We get it. Like, it's not getting bogged down in a lot of things. But, um, and it's also really sort of well presented. There's a lot of really cool sets. Um, The jungle environment is super lush and dense. And it's got really great atmospheric lighting. There's a point where Paul and Amanda, like, run off. And they're like having a bit of a panic moment and they're in this like the canopy is enclosed and it's dark and sort of uh, dim. But there's like light coming through the top of the canopy and like being refracted in leaves and stuff. And it's just like, yeah, this is nice. I can get down with this. It tells a lot with the camera, both because I think the camera, there's some really good tracking shots in this movie where the camera just follows people as they're moving through these new spaces. But it will also do that thing where... um like uh the camera will start a scene zoomed in on something of particular focus and then pull back and reveal the full set and the group like entering the room they do that with like a locked door and i think they do that with the eggs as well and it just sort of like the camera is able to tell you like this is the important thing here watch for this this is going to come back up um what did you think about the um the bigger set pieces though the action stuff because i think that's sort of where um the movie expects the audience i think to be most invested because while a lot of the character work is um perfectly sound it's also very boilerplate and i don't think you're here for the characters you're here for the dinosaurs so what did you think about that i (laughs) i realized when we saw that um uh, it might have been a raptor, but that dinosaur talk in the plane in the dream sequence. That was the funniest shot word, in the movie, by the way. I realized that like this this was going to have fun with its dinosaurs and that I was going to like watching the dinosaurs. And while the dinosaurs aren't talking throughout the rest of the movie. They're basically um, talking. That's what Alan Grant still... was telling Laura Dern about. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's true. Um, uh, you know, while they're not like talking directly to Sam Neill and like sitting in, in English planes and stuff in English, um, they still they have a lot of fun with the dinosaurs, and they don't they don't hold back in this movie. They're not like as respectful of the image of the dinosaur. They're right. just they're comfortable just showing it all basically from the very beginning, which is I think like how a, a third Jurassic Park movie ought to be. You know, like I said, we see a dinosaur kill someone really early on in this movie, and then half an hour into the movie, we have two dinosaurs fighting King Kong versus Godzilla style, and that's something that I think um, some movies like a three-hour movie like might save that until closer to the end. You know, and that's Fuck and that's it. your big, Joe Johnston th- won't. Yeah, he just throws it in there, and so I had a lot of a lot of fun with that scene. Um, I did find that maybe it would have been best if they had held something off closer to the end because I didn't feel that there was a big climactic. Like, there's maybe the boat dinosaur thing. sequence. 
Yeah, like the boat thing was was like it's something that we've kind of seen before. Yeah. Um, and it just it felt like like I don't want the movie to be any longer. An hour and a half is perfectly good. Um, but kind of honestly, kind of like the first Jurassic Park movie, it ends a bit abruptly. Abruptly, but it doesn't have. It doesn't have a huge pile of really memorable dinosaur stuff before that to make it feel like, oh, you know what? Yeah. I'm worn, I'm, I'm worn out. So we can, we can kind of like some albums. They have like a soft closing track, you know, after like having a, a whole whirlwind of instruments smashing you in the face sure. in the last few songs. And so it's okay when I'm when us when a here we are like comparing one art to another but it's more of a more of an analogy than it is this this movie doesn't feel like an album i mean you but, can uh, make the comparison maybe i was being a little too harsh but i hate when people write a review of a thing and they're just like this is basically just this other thing and it's like try harder like yeah yeah that's all this jurassic park 3 is basically the downward spiral by nine inch nails <laughs> um no but but some albums like finish with a soft closing track and it's like okay you know they earned that so much happened beforehand whereas this movie i could have done with like one more big thing closer to the end um but there was still a lot of exciting dinosaur stuff in this movie there's that Um, velociraptor perspective shot where amanda is hanging out of a tree and the camera's just going up to her face oh yeah that's a really clever way to shoot that um yeah so i want to make my theme park point a little bit more like concretely um and i'm thinking of when the plane crashes into the jungle and it's up in a tree um and it's uh so they're all stuck in the fuselage and there's a dinosaur like rocking them around and it knocks them out of the tree and it's shot and edited really well like you're always clear on what's happening you're getting shots from inside the fuselage and then outside and you're seeing people like rolling around and getting like knocked over and having to like grasp onto stuff and um, then it falls to the ground and they're like trying to frantically not get pinned and things like that. And it's super kinetic and it's it's really fast and you're like, oh shit, like where the fuck's this going to go? Um, but there's just something about it that I couldn't shake where it's like replace the fuselage of the plane with a bunch of seats that you can put an audience inside that just shake up and down and keep the the ambiance the same. And this is just the theme park ride. Now just put the audience in the fuselage of the plane and you can adapt this directly to something you would see at Universal Studios. I think the same thing is true of the boat sequence at the end where, um, you know, you could just put the audience on a boat in water and have a big animatronic dinosaur and have some performers on the crane and like a bit of a fire effect. And it's like, this is just a ride. This feels like more, this feels less like a movie set piece than an attraction at a park. I think the birdcage thing is similar there's moments that just feel as though they were tailor-made to be adapted into a theme park ride. And I don't think that's a bad thing because I think it's still effective to watch and like, you know, not to make my point again, but like some of the birdcage thing is almost like video game geometry where it's like Eric is like hopping between pillars and there's like a dude on a parachute like oh, yeah, that flying was through. And it's like, it's just so much, but it, it all felt so easily adaptable into something else that it felt a bit um cheapened by that almost or a bit more cynical or like some universal exec was like puffing a cigar like this will be great for the theme park and the kids i don't know what voice that was but did you feel any of that did it ever feel a bit too artificial that's i guess that's kind of what i mean almost contrived to be able to become something else oh absolutely yeah um it's just it, it is a movie that comes and goes so quickly and it just like it feels so um like it knows exactly what it wants to do and what it wants to do is just like thrill you for a little while yeah. and thrill you with like out without uh putting that much thought into it you know no. what i mean like like the fact that this script was rewritten so many times and was kind of being written as the movie was shot you know I'm, I'm not suggesting that the filmmakers didn't put any care into it but it's just it's coming together so quickly yeah. this is not a the character driven movie yeah that the things like you need to rely on other things that you know are going to work just like visually and so eric jumping between those pillars like that's kind of exciting because there's a dinosaur chasing him and like if he doesn't make the jump he'll die and uh and also like he um 
well, it's just it 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 feels very much like um like a theme park, I think, and it's 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 got me excited um, at the thought of that because I've shared with Corey that I'm going to Universal Studios in about a month, and I don't like theme park rides. You know, they freak me out. I don't like the feeling that they give me in my stomach. But you have to go I on the do... Jurassic Park right now and tell us how it compares yeah, to Jurassic because, Park 3. Well, because I like I like um, sightseeing and I like feeling like I'm transported into another world. And so the way you're describing how these scenes would translate into a theme park sounds really exciting to me. Um, I like the idea of like being in a different a different area and like it's dark and you're seeing things that you would never encounter in real life. I like all that stuff. It's just the physicality of rides that doesn't really get to me. And so um, that's probably why I, I, I like this movie just fine because like I'm lying in bed and I still get to experience thrills like through a movie screen, you know, at the end of the day, that's why I like movies so much. Sometimes they do feel like a theme park, but like I'm safe in a seat, you know, <laughs> I'm in like, no I danger. Think- like, uh, my girlfriend's mom brought up the idea that I don't like theme parks before, and she was like, yo, you love horror movies, and, like, you're getting, like, scared all the time, and it's, like, a huge blast, and I'm like, yeah, but, like, I'm sitting in a seat, and I don't feel, uh, like I might die, and, like, I'm holding on for dear life, you know? Right. And so, so I like, I like, um, I like what movies can do to you in that way, and that they can make you feel like you're at a theme park in a, in a, in their own unique safe way sure. and so I, I did feel that with this movie definitely yeah movies can definitely adapt other kinds of experiences into their own thing but when <clears throat> but when the cinematic experience comes up so harshly against another kind of experience like the theme park one it feels kind of bizarre and um you know there's some performances in here they're all passable everybody's doing all right they probably had a good time making it but um I think that if you're somebody who is just sort of looking for um, some thrills, some chills, and some spills for 90 minutes, like, you know, you could do worse than Jurassic Park 3. If you're a fan of Jurassic Park and haven't seen it, you may as well. You're getting more of characters you like in scenarios that you seek from those movies. So um, you may as well. And you're getting it from somebody who clearly understands the craft, Joe Johnston, for really presenting it in a way that manages to be atmospheric and moody and interesting even if it's kind of rote so it's like you know Jurassic Park 3 is passable it's it's all right you could you could definitely do worse yeah totally like uh the director of this film like he's not Spielberg but also we got to remember that like Spielberg isn't even always Spielberg like he did the second one and I don't really hear people talking about that one you know it's certainly not the godfather 2 of the Jurassic Park franchise right um and so we can only have like so many Jurassic Parks in the mo- in the world, and the rest are like Jurassic Park threes or you know Back to the Future Part threes. Um, and those movies and okay. are like they're they're okay, they're exciting in their own fun way. Corey, I was thinking we would play a little game for this movie just to uh, just to kind of break down how we feel about it specifically because it seems like both of our feelings are just you know it's it's a good time and. Uh, and it's kind of it's it's difficult to dig in a bit more than that. Um, I think the theme park analogy is a really good one that's carried us through. But but maybe this will help us a little bit so people can hear us talk about the movie a bit more specifically. So the game is that you're going to tell me your high point in the movie and your low point. What you a, a specific moment or scene or line or whatever you're high from the movie and then contrarily you're low for the movie. And I'll do the same. Would you want me to go first? You got something. I would love it for you to go first because I don't have anything. All right. <laughs> so my low for the movie is uh, Tia Leone's character. Okay. And that she is kind of just wandering around the jungle the entire time, screaming and bawling for her child. Um, yeah, it's a, bit of a, it's a pretty it's a bit, flat character. It's, it's very flat. And he, he, listen, I understand that your kid goes missing in a jungle like, you're going to scream for him. You love him. And uh, a similar thing happened in the first season of Lost. There's a, there's a character whose son goes missing. And uh, he's quoted all the time online because he just goes around screaming his kid's name. And that that's his character for for a lot of the season. But, like, really, it's like, you know, what else is he going to do? They got to they gotta illustrate that he wants his kid and, like, 
He's either going to be screaming his son's name or he's going to be telling people he wants his kid back. And I get that, but it doesn't make for very interesting viewing. And I just, I think they, it would have served them well to kind of find a clever way around that because um, I can only take it for so long. And it's also a shame when like Laura Dern um, is like left at home. So we don't have really like an interesting female character here at all yeah laura dern is just kind of mom in this movie which is a weird choice i feel like if you're gonna get her back i'm surprised you don't do more yeah but yeah and so i think it could have served the movie well to uh to give tia leone's character a bit more to do you know they could start with that and then have her uh decide to do something else and and have a bit of a some like not character growth because she's not going to grow out of like wanting her child back but it could just manifest in different ways and i didn't feel that it did in this movie a movie that's so short you know i i get that it's not gonna it's not gonna be able to spend time on those characters a whole lot but that was that was just a bit grating and my high for the movie is in the birdcage scene that you've mentioned Mm -hmm. when sam neill does like his Shane Dawson thing where he ends his sentence in a traumatic whisper. You reference Shane got, Dawson so much and I never understand what you mean. It's just such a trip. <laughs> you don't have to explain it right now. I just wanted everybody to know that maybe you guys know what he means by that, but I don't. Yeah, that's the goal. That's the goal. Cause I certainly know that you're not going to get it, but I try to keep in mind that other people are going to, are going to listen to these and like Shane Dawson's videos, they have like 10 million views or something. So there's gotta be someone out there. Okay. Maybe not, maybe not our demographic, but you know, if there's even one person that gets it, it's worth it for that one. Email us guys. Um, Shane Dawson, email us. Um, so when, when Sam Neill goes, uh, my god it's a bird cage and then i think it's eric like looks into the fog on this like narrow bridge that they're on which is like a really great location because there's only two ways to go so if there's something in the other direction well you only got to go one way or else you're caught or you're jumping over the edge you know it's it's the stand by me scenario where the train's coming for them and he looks into the fog and then you see like this dinosaur thing that has like these two I don't know dinosaurs obviously it has like these two like big like jagged spike claws things and like a really narrow head and you see it through the fog and it seems like the shot is going to linger until the dinosaur becomes clear and you see like what kind of dinosaur it is but it doesn't it cuts away and so you see like it's creepy little figure emerge and like start to become visible for like a second or two and then it goes away and like i it felt like a horror movie for a second and like i felt like i was on a theme park ride that like made it feel like i was gonna die like i felt it in my gut for like one second it's it's very it taps into a similar fear um that movies like cloverfield do to me where like i'm just really really scared of like giant unfathomably large monsters you know like like a in Cloverfield, like there's this giant, giant yeah. alien thing like looming over the city, like through clouds, and you can kind of barely see it, but you know the scope of it, and you know how huge it is, and you know it isn't human. And that stuff just scares me so much. And so I was absolutely ecstatic to see that in this movie. And and for there to be a scene that like makes a dinosaur feel really big and like intimidating and scary to me, because after watching so many Jurassic Park movies, just one Jurassic Park movie, really, you get a bit jaded as to like what dinosaurs can be, and you know that T Rexes are like large and they run at you. But beyond that, you know, you got to find clever ways to make these things uh, scary again. And so Jurassic Park does it like through the Velociraptors and the way they're like small and team up with one another, and they do it with that thing that sprays poison in Newman's face. Um, and this movie has just a lot of big like dinosaurs running after the main characters and fighting each other. And so it's cool, but it doesn't really feel like novel or fresh to me. And that was the one time in this movie that I really felt like I was seeing something that I hadn't seen before. And so that was my high. The, cool. Those were my two things. What about you? Um, I don't know if I'm playing this game right, but I'm just going to pick a low point and a high point. They're maybe not the pinnacle of those things, but they're just things that I think fit the bill. Um, the low point is something I already talked about, which is... um. I don't know why you're going to make us think Billy died if Billy's going to live anyway. 
because all it gave is Sam Neill some throwaway lines about feeling bad about what he said to him. Uh, but it's like, okay, so there was just no consequences for that, but other people die. Why did Billy not? It just felt like stupid and contrived in the worst way that movies tend to do that. Cause it's like, he was pretty clearly sure. dead. And like, how did he get away? How did he get there? They found him first. How? Where was he go? Like, I don't know. Seeing as there was so much time between the birdcage and them getting to the coast, I don't know how he could have possibly done it faster while also hurt. Not to be like, this isn't logical, but it just felt kind of cheap and weird. And I think that a high point, I really, I don't want to say two things I've already said, but I'm gonna. Am I spoiling the game? Um, oh, no, that's okay. I mean, if, if, the if, if that's the plane crash truth, is you know? the high point. I think the plane crash is the best job they do at making one of those action sequences thrilling because I think you get an immediate sense that if there's an action sequence that includes only our main characters, that no one's in actual danger because everybody's going to make it to the end of the movie. So I think when anybody was pretty much up for grabs, like that made that a lot more exciting. And I think as time goes on, you sort of get a little bit less of that with other action sequences. So then to see that the one time they commit those consequences don't matter. It kind of makes it hollow. Um, so that would be my quick, like low point and high point, I think. Um, but the effects are also really good too. Um, do you have any like closing stuff you wanted to get out there for Jurassic Park three? Or we kind of run the gambit on this one. No, I mean, I think I've made my general thoughts pretty clear. Um, yeah, for sure. One thing I could just throw out that certainly isn't uh, a summary of how I feel or anything, but it's just uh, something I thought while watching this movie. I I really like the kid. Yeah, I thought the kid. I thought the kid was uh, he had an interesting look to him. Thought it was Josh Hutcherson th- th- for a while. Yeah, <laughs> and I thought it was the kid from Unbreakable and uh, <laughs> for a little while. Um, who I also like. You know, both those kids. They just have like sweet faces. They seem sincere. I like that they they sh- show up. They find him and he's just like, yeah, I've like spent two months on the island. So like, it's not, he's not really sappy and like, he feels like he's a perfect age where like, they don't have to watch over him all the time in like an annoying way. Like he can jump over pillars himself and like be his own character, but also, um, there's still like that kid adult dynamic that spices things up a bit. And then, um, I realized about halfway through the movie that he isn't the unbreakable kid. He's a kid who was in a movie called Mean Creek that came out in 2004 starring Josh Peck and a friend of the podcast, Rory Culkin. Okay. And for most of my life, I've said it's my favorite movie of all time. Um, oh, wow. It's certainly, it's certainly in my top five or top ten. It's right up there. It's a fantastic indie movie. He's about 18 in this movie, um, Mean Creek. And uh, he just plays... He's not a main character, but he is, he's, it's an ensemble movie, kind of like Stand By Me. And it's about these kids who, um, who have... Rory Culkin is one of the characters little brother this character from Jurassic Park is Rory Culkin's older brother and he's getting bullied by Josh Peck at school so they devise a plan to have Josh Peck come out with them on a birthday boating trip and then pull a prank on him that's going to get him back and um it's just this incredible incredible drama movie um about uh kids having to grow up way too fast and um uh like where bullies are often coming from. And Josh Peck gives one of the best child performances I've ever seen in my life. Every single kid is perfectly cast. And so it was just, it was really nice to see this kid again. And it was nice to see that he's, he had done other good work outside of Mead Creek. Uh, He's one of those guys who I would kind of watch any movie he's in just because I like his presence. And, um, and so I think that helps this movie too. That that was nice, and uh, it was a good thing to wake up to this morning. This For movie, sure. although from the sounds of it, if you watch any of the movies we talked about this week, maybe make it Mean Creek. But if you're looking for something a little lighter, try Jurassic Park Three. Um, there you go. And I think with that out of the way, thank you once again for listening to this episode of I said that real weird. Of they made another one. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at they made another all one word. On Anchor, Spotify, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and all those other podcast places you love as they made another one. You can reach us via email at tmaopodcast at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, 
questions, comments, and your favorite dinosaur. And if you're feeling really excited, a video or audio recording of you doing the voice of the dinosaur. (laughs) Um, Is it dinosaur voices? I don't know. This outro is getting away from me. Uh, Liam, where can people find you? You guys can find my film writing alter ego Graham the Haunted Marshmallow on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And you can catch me on Twitter at Mr. Corey Price. Heads up for next week. Uh, it is the aforementioned Cats episode. Um, so just strap in for that. That's going to be an experience. And um, I don't know if we're mentally prepared, but there's only one way to find out. So uh, catch us here next week for more. They made another one? <laughs>